from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. I'm Tenacious. Tenacious D over there. Yeah. And this is Mark. Tenacious M. Mark to the G. Mark to the G. I don't know. (laughs) To the dizzle, to the snizzle. That's that's a throwback. It is a throwback. (laughs) So, uh, wow, we're really, really loud today. Which We're loud near your holes, but not to the listeners. Rick McNerney is going to take care of that for us. It's another day of recording. Yep. That's a lot better. Yep. Yeah, that's a lot better. So, <clears throat> what's going on in the tiny house world? I saw a couple of... I'm like old... I'm, I'm behind the curve on, on this. I saw a couple of issues this week, or a couple of episodes of Tiny House Luxury. Yes. Uh, the, the brothers and brother-in-law who was in our studio... Was it last week? Was it that recent? A couple uh, weeks ago. A couple, couple weeks, weeks ago, ago. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Those guys are uh, amazing on camera. It's like they love the camera. Not in this arrogant way, but like they're perfect for the camera. As opposed to, as opposed to, well, it's it's like you can for for me, you can tell that they're, um, it's kind of like their destiny to be there. Hmm. I mean, when the brothers get in front of, the, I don't know if they're rehearsing or if the HGTV people tell them what to say or how to say it, but when they say what they say, it just it just comes off so natural for those guys. Yeah, yeah. The brother-in-law, not so much, but the two brothers hmm. for sure, they're hmm. just made for the camera. Yeah, it's yeah. so cool. It's a great dynamic. Overall, the show is a really, really great dynamic. It's put together very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're building now for season three. Season three, yeah. So yeah. 15 builds. It's, they have an incredible, again, as we talked about, they have, a, they have an interesting, uh, you know, all of our builders or the people that have been on television, um, the TV shows in particular, have, have cited how stressful it is yeah. to build for TV. Yeah. Um, they build... 15 houses for 15 episodes all on TV. In what span of time? Like over six months? How, how, how long does it take them to film a series? Um, or a season, I mean. Well, right now they're actually building for season three. They're supposed to have all 15 done. They haven't started them yet, or they are starting them now. They have to have them done by February. So what's that? Five okay, six so months. six months wow. or so. Yeah. yeah. Two a month. Yeah. yeah, so their shop is crazy. You know, they've got four or five parked out back. They got four or five in the shop. Um, so, and then of course they don't always only do show builds. They also do right. off show builds as right. well. So, right. it's it's a it's a cool, fun, crazy, almost sympathetic existence that they have now. Though, for yeah, those I of us that. that are now, for those of us that live a quieter, simpler life mm-hmm. in um, the Sherwood Forest. In, in the, the Sherwood Forest. forest. For two days, the only people I've talked to is the people at Home Depot. Yeah. Like, that's it. But, um, so it's awesome. And it's, you know, but man, they're just balls to the walls. They're yeah, just but I, make, I bet they're making bank. I would hope. I yeah. would hope. Yeah. I would hope. In other news, um, yes. I understand you're headed down to, a, to be in a treehouse. Yeah, I'm so excited. To, yeah, and to keynote speak there. Yes. So the, the Out and About Treehouse Resort... The, um, Is that what it's called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Tree Resort. Tree Resort. Tree Resort. www.treehouses.com. Um, they asked me to come down and be keynote. Thank you, Perry, for your recommendation, by the way. 
That was very cool. I appreciate that. It's always nice to have other people recommend me rather than asking. But they asked me to come down and do a keynote about the similarities and the differences between tiny houses and tree houses. And you would be surprised at how many there are. Oh, I'm sure there's tons of them. I mean, it's... it's Similarities and differences. And differences, yeah. yes. There's so many. <laughs> One's we in a touched, tree. We, <laughs> we touched on a few of them in, the, in their show. But <clears throat> yeah. um, when you actually really... Even sociologically... Um, that's environmentally, true. that's true too. Um, the fame, like for instance, they've that's got Treehouse true. Masters and Pete Nelson, and mm-hmm. and I've talked to um, their organizers, and they've talked a little bit about the double-edged sword associated with fame mm-hmm. and popularity, mm-hmm. and how now everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to go build a treehouse, yay! And you know, and whoa, 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 stop, wait a minute, you yeah. got to be responsible, you got to know what you're doing. Let's not, you know. Stick your entire family on a platform 40 feet in the air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> without doing, right? Without doing yeah. the homework. Mm-hmm. And, and in the tiny house movement, we, oh, I'm going to build a, you know, I'm going to take a Home Depot shed and I'm going to yeah. staple it to Sorry, my uncle's, uh, <laughs> my uncle's uh, hay trailer. Yeah. We're like, wait a minute mm-hmm. before you go down the road and the new, the new, uh, what is it called? Uh, the new cliche, kill a family of five. Um, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that one. No. Oh, yeah. Before it goes down the road and kills a family oh, of five, we're I all see. kind of like waiting. Speaking <laughs> of which, however, did you, I think you saw the picture of the tiny house that tipped over. I did not. I yeah, did not either. Yeah, so that, that, we had a tiny house that tipped over on the road. Nobody was injured. The house was um, relatively minor damage. Really? I mean, yeah. Was yeah. it rolling when it yes, tipped over? And it, it didn't fall it apart? It rolled twice. And oh, wow. It was crazy. It, it ended up being a tongue weight issue. It was being hauled by a professional, mm. um, so the tongue weight. Was Remember not what our insurance guy told us last week about yes. the professionals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not very professional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it, the tiny house movement in general has been crazy on social media this week. That was one. Um, that was one picture that that uh, just blew up in social media this week. Let's talk about those two articles you shared. Uh, You didn't want to talk about it, did you? (laughs) I kind of didn't. I kind of don't. I kind of didn't. I kind of don't. I know you do. No, that's okay because I'm prepared. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this Andrew. It's Andrew, right? Andrew. We love Andrew. Andrew. I love Andrew. Andrew, I love you. Shaking my head, Andrew. He's a character. Yeah. But a good guy. Yeah, he is a good guy. He published an article in... To be specific, it's Andrew Odom. Andrew Odom, yes. Yes, Let's we'll be specific. Be specific. Yeah. Get in the name calling. <laughs> published an article <laughs> in um, a Tiny House blog, blog. Yep. about how bad it is that tiny houses are being used for the homeless. And he began his little screed with a condemnation of what it means, the value of owning the thing that you're living in. Or owning, owning whatever it is that you have. You should own it, and if you don't own it, you're mooching off of everybody else, essentially, which is a bunch of poppycock. And, I'm, and then he goes on to say that it's terrible that tiny houses are being used for homeless people, number one, because they don't own it, so there's no earned inequity, and number two, uh, because it tarnishes the rest of the brand, so to speak. Yes. And then Lee Para. Well, let, let me back up. So then... There's this, I, I was about to go off on Andrew, but then I read the comments and so many people had gone off already. And you were like, hey, <laughs> it I'm, wasn't worth I'm not doing. even going to get in line. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even going to get in line. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But, and then Lee Para, so the other, the other, other article was Lee Para's article in Medium, which was about um, the lack of represented diversity. Correct. Yeah. Put it in? Mm-hmm. 
uh, in yeah. the tiny house movement, which I think she has a very strong point. Yes. But I think she had, she had had enough of all the negative response she was getting to trying to produce, to, to try to make the tiny house movement's publicity better reflect the existing diversity that she believes already exists in the movement. Correct. And in response to that, she basically got flamed all over the place. And she said, I've had enough. I'm going to do this article and just out a bunch of people in, in an indirect way, right. which, she, which she did. And I thought she did a very mm-hmm. good job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Yeah, very thoughtful. Is this, is this <laughs> Michelle, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, look? Michelle, what do you have to say about this? Uh, Let's see. So first, of all, we, <laughs> so first of all, we have interviewed Andrew Odom. Um, great guy. Here, great guy. great guy. And we know that he has a somewhat controversial perspective on um, the use of tiny houses for the homeless. Um, and also, um, uh, I think the article that he wrote was part, I guess you would call it venting and part provocateur, right? So I think he, I think he met his goal and I think oh, the, for sure he met his goal. I mm-hmm. think the that was goal it. was to provoke discussion and to allow everybody to sort of, you know, to, uh, either provoke, promote, advocate, defend their position on this issue. So I thought he really, really met his goal in that, in that regard. On the flip side, however, I will tell you that he had said to me personally. Uh, maybe you shouldn't say this? No, it's okay. Oh, okay. It's okay. okay. Um, there are probably a few things that he said in the article that probably could have been softened a little bit. <laughs> the edges were a little sharper than I think that he intended. Um, who knows? That might have been a mood thing. I mean, you know, we go back and read blog articles that we've written right. and we're like, Wow, I must have been drunk at the time. (laughs) So um, I, uh, as you know, I also partially agree with him on on some of his, Mm -hmm. on some of that. And um, we've talked about this two years ago. This was one of the Did we ever release that show? Well, but we talked about it again recently when we had Andrew on about a couple of months ago. We We did? We talked about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tiny yeah, yeah, houses yeah. and Alzheimer's. That's our next episode. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we had him. Yeah, you know, we had him here. About anyways. So that so, was, and then the second thing is um, about the diversity. Um, I guess what I'll just say about that is that uh, no one's in charge. Here. I, know. <laughs> I, know. I guess what I'll just say about that is the fact that I think that we lose sight that the tiny house um, festivals and the tiny house industries is a business. Yes. And the festivals are yes. in the business Good point. of bringing people to the stage that bring as many attendees as possible. Just trying to make that money. Mm-hmm. Correct. That and so they get to make the decision. And to bring in another controversial subject, which is very close to this this week. I know I'm, I'm promise I'll be short. It's okay. The <laughs> whole NFL take a knee thing. Oh, I can't believe you're bringing that into this conversation. No, 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 Don't even same, get me started. No, no, no. But it's the same. In my, from my perspective, it's the same conversation because it reflects the complexity of social issues as they are interpreted in one's personal contract. In one's personal contract. contract. I agree with that. Yeah, I, And whether or not you can. Correct. In the context of your contract. Correct. So if I'm a festival owner yeah. and I hire a speaker, they have a contract with me, what they're going to do, what they're not going to do, what they're going to say about me afterwards and what they're not going to yeah. say. So, um, and I think the NFL has a lot of the same... Issues. Anyways, again, I, I think Lee's article was very, very well written. I think it also is a provocative, <clears throat> a provocative writer. piece. Yes. Um, I think it 
brought about a lot of good conversation. I agree. But at the same time, I know the backstories and I'm just going to tell you that the, again, it brings to light the complexities associated with the festival's decisions. Well, the personal nature of contracts. Yes. The personal, their personal um, or their professional idea of what is marketable and who who is going to bring the most people to the festival. But you notice yes. that the festival changed its lineup. And there's a black guy, two Asian guys, and a few more women as a result of this. Hub, 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 hub. Mm. Correct. Yeah. So, Correct. so we have the absolute progress has been made. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Speaking absolutely. of progress. So when, yeah, when we started the okay. show, our listeners might notice that there was actually four claps, not was three. Was there four claps? Yeah, it sounded like one hand clapping to me. It sounded like thunder <laughs> dome. <laughs> so we have in the studio today, um, Guillaume, a famous guy of the Tiny House Movement. Guillaume, I'm going to get your name. I'm going to try your last name. Oh, this will not. Dutille. Dutille. I was close. You were really Damn close. It. I was close. <laughs> so not having heard it, that's pretty good. Thank you, sir. In 10 minutes, it'll be mangled again. Exactly. <laughs> I've gotten Duluth. I've gotten Dutille. It doesn't even look like Duluth. Uh, right. But, but, but when, you, when an American looks at it, the, words, the letters just transform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just mm-hmm. switch places. Because <laughs> that's the first thing I came to when I saw it. And I, wait a second. It's not mm-hmm. So, yes, go ahead, Michelle. Sure. So the reason why I introduced myself as Tenacious today oh. is because it took us how many episodes? This is my first official guilt guest. Wait a minute. first official haven't, guilt guest. Haven't you been on before? I have we, not. We, we have a sentence or two from him that we recorded up in the oh, opening Mount of Hood. The, uh, Mount Hood. That's right. Yeah. So he's kind of been on it in a really... So in Jenna's episode, I called Got him it. out. I was like, hey, uh, dude, you have to come on our podcast if you're listening. So that's why I introduced myself as Tenacious, because sometimes that's what it takes to get guests. That is what it takes sometimes. Okay, yes. go, go forth and I'll stop talking. Oh, sure. No, don't stop talking. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> hey, it worked. <laughs> in, the studio. in the studio, a rare appearance. Uh, so, Guillaume, um, we're really interested in hearing your story because you have... If I may, I may not have this right, but it seems like you've changed paths in a way from the tiny house movement into photography. Uh, It depends. Return to your passion. It's actually interesting the way you ask the questions because the whole thing, like people see the tiny house as such, often they just see the tiny house. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of always seen the tiny house as a tool. And the reason I went into the tiny house world was first to uh, become a photographer and a travel photographer. So I started, I, I used to be an engineer and Jenna used kind to of work. engineer? Uh, industrial engineering. Oh, okay. Mm. So I like to describe it as like, I knew like a little bit about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but not a lot about one specific thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, this wasn't the way I wanted my life to be. And um, one day I discovered the tiny house concept and figured, hey, this might be a good opportunity to become a travel, photography, a travel photographer and pursue those, uh, those goals. And, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, this was all happened in my cubicle as I was like questioning <laughs> what I was supposed to do with life. And like, it was great. As an engineer, I was able to buy all the cameras I wanted, but I never really had time to use it or I didn't really enjoy it. And I realized that, hey, even though this allows me to have like a significant source of income, it's not really bringing me towards the goal I want. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like a fake way of getting there in a way. A lot of people can't get there that way. Yeah. I got there that way. And you kind of get stuck. And it's, it, you know, it's silly. It's like, a YouTube video that made me realize that. You know those inspirational videos where like there's like people skydiving and scuba diving mm-hmm. and doing all these things and they have those beautiful shots and they record like 
a philosopher mm-hmm. in the background mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, and then all of a sudden you're like, what am I doing in my cubicle? <laughs> <laughs> right? And a week later, like online, I find the tiny house concept. So, so were you taking photo? Were you playing with cameras before yeah. that moment? Okay, mm-hmm. so you learned how you learned like f stop and yeah, exactly field kind of, of focus or whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah, what's it called? Well, it depends <laughs> where you're talking focus, about. The field of the, the field depth of field. Depth, depth of field. field. That's what I was trying to get. Yeah, damn. And I went to photo. <laughs> <in the school. laughs> I suck. So yeah, you knew about all that stuff prior to that Some, epiphany. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of like the direction I wanted to go and. Tiny house kind of allowed me to get there. So the the point I was making though is that a lot of people just see the tiny house, but I'm always I've always been interested in what the tiny house concept and minimal minimalism being associated to it can do to your life. Yes. Right? And with Jenna, we built this house and traveled all over the country. And mm-hmm. you guys can also listen to the podcast with John uh, with Jenna. Uh, well, we the, had her in the studio. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's plugging a past show. Oh, yeah. I didn't know look that. at that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank, okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> He was talking to the listeners. I didn't realize that's that. That's right. <laughs> oh, Perry. Who was he talking to? Really you you I was talking to us. Anyway. But yeah, so like we, we put a, a lot of miles on this house and, and we've interviewed a lot of uh, people on the YouTube channel for Tiny House Giant Journey. And what, it was interesting because the people on YouTube, they wanted to see like, how, how do you, you know, how do they do this storage thing? How do they fit this there? How they, and they wanted those, those nitty gritty details. And then some of the people we were talking to and filming they didn't really want to talk about that. I remember specifically one guy who built a house truck in Alaska and it was hard to get the details from him of the build. You know, what kind of toilet do you use? How do you do a shower? But what was easy to get from him is all of the stuff that um, he was able to do with the uh, house truck that he built. Like what? Like go to South America with his wife for several months. And all those stories about like, oh man, like this guy tried to steal our shovel while we're out there. And like, you know, we have a shower and we have this curtain we can put outside, but really most of the places we shower, there's nobody there. So we just like <laughs> naked out there. And it was like, it transpired by like, wow, this, you know, the, the house is the house. Yeah. But what it did for this couple yeah. to be able to travel was more interesting. Yeah. The stories, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So, okay. So when you, when you and Jenna were running around the world or the nation, were you the photographer? Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. you were cutting your chops even more while you were doing that program. Um, so I'm originally French, so American expression. Sorry, like your chops. You, <laughs> <laughs> He's going. That's got to be food related. Yeah, I, like, I am very food oriented. You were so. like uh, honing your skills. skills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. My, my absolute favorite photo from all of those trips, though, was the. Um, it just left me. The one at the top of the world. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, like the Arctic Circle. Yes, the Arctic mm. Circle. Midnight with midnight, the sun yeah. setting. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was really, really that cool. That was quite special. Like when we tell people how far we've gone with this tiny house and like we took it all the way up to the Arctic Circle in Alaska, drove it from, I mean, <clears throat> for all intents and purposes, like from the Florida Keys uh, all the way up to the Arctic Circle Very through cool. like hundreds of miles of dirt road. Yeah. And it was like, it's a, it's a fun, significant photo. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick it up. It's okay. I was going to say, I think there's an article on the east side of Portland. It could have saved a lot of time and effort. <laughs> so, no, yeah. but the point, sorry, the point oh, I was okay. going to make okay, was good. we were talking about it's just a house. And actually, these days, I tell people that I'm actually, ironically, less interested in the house and more interested in the people. When I go to festivals, I rarely even go into the houses huh. um, except for to talk to the people. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'm... I'm less interested in the shelves and the toilets and the sinks. And, yeah. and um, maybe that's just because I've seen so many of them. But to me, 
the real depth of the movement actually exists in the human beings with the human beings and Mm -hmm. their stories and their motivations Mm -hmm. and their challenges um yeah so so i guess that i guess this this um initial urge that you had to leave your cubicle made the separation from jenna and the giant journey much easier because you knew that you were going to go on this continue on this photography Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that it was easy. Okay. (laughs) I mean, we had basically different long-term goals uh, and ended up parting ways uh, and we're both friends, obviously. Yeah. Uh, But in a way, the separation from the actual tiny house made it easier. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Even though it's something that we both built together and, and, you know, I love having uh, access to it if, if I can or like seeing it or like helping out when I can. It's just, you know, you built a house yeah (laughs) yeah not a small task especially i knew nothing about building when i started so there's some pride in there but yes as you're saying separating from that object made it a little easier in the sense of like hey i'm gonna find something else to uh to travel with what are you traveling with uh well uh with uh my current partner we actually just bought a uh vanagon a 1987 westphalia oh nice yeah so actually going smaller (laughs) (laughs) yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the house was just too big but it's, it's interesting like like doing this like whole uh year and a half of traveling in the tiny house kind of like you know i was able to develop my photography but i also like oh man i want to travel more and more and more and you know you can travel to places by flying there and staying there for a little while but what i really liked is being in a place uh and and getting to meet the people there and on the trip that we did one of the regrets it's not really regrets the wrong word but one of the things that we had about our trip is that we were just staying in places for too short of amount of time mm-hmm. like to really experience it and be like hey start maybe we go to the same coffee shop every morning during the week yeah. and we get to know the person there and so you know for me that the traveling became important in that way and and being able to uh, find the next vehicle or object that would allow uh, me to do that meant like going with something smaller and more capable in a way because with the tiny house, um, kind of the way we built it, at least kind of stuck the major roads and even though we took it on dirt roads and all, but it, it gets hard. Like, for example, if I want to spend a year and a half in South America with the tiny, to get there or like, so like we're well, looking at. Why would that be hard? Are the roads with, just not? It's just, I mean, towing something that's 10,000 pounds, not yeah. only is costly, but it's, yeah. it's like, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's technical. Yeah. It's also a, an eye catcher. Which it can be good and bad, that, and there's yeah, yeah. and like I've I've driven in South in Central America in yeah. these places, and I wouldn't necessarily want to tow that thing down. Got there. it. Mm. Yeah, that's one of my new hashtags is actually live tiny, travel tinier. Um, I have a glamper, and I also just recently finished a teardrop, and I'm now actually drawn to the simplicity of the teardrop. Which mine is just a bed in a box. I mean, it doesn't even have the fold up kitchen, but when I go places, I don't want to fold up the kitchen and serve myself. I want to go to the coffee shops. And so yeah. um, towing the tiny house or living in the tiny house, I can imagine how abs- how complex it would be because you you are a homeowner and there's still maintenance in propane. You're refilling the propane tanks and you're emptying the, you know, the, RV, the, uh, the waste tanks and so forth. So I would imagine it would be really, really complex, let alone expensive. So I can personally see the appeal to traveling even smaller even lighter even more simply um and gives you a lot more flexibility but my question actually is i'm gonna can we go back a little bit further you mentioned that you're french (laughs) so we kind of started with your professional career 
Can we go back a little bit further into your, what does your family think or how involved are they with your life still? And how did you come to the United States and that whole background story? All right. So um, I was born in uh, 1984. <laughs> oh, June 1st. No, uh, so I was born from a, it was a uh, cold, dark day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm glad, you were, I'm glad you know that. It was in France, in Paris. <laughs> so it probably was. Yeah. Not in June, though. Uh, but yeah, so like uh, my uh, father was uh, French and my mom is American. So I was oh. born dual citizen, huh. uh, which, you know, I'm, I can, I'm grateful for, I guess I can put it that way. Uh, but basically, even though <laughs> it depends on <laughs> well, no, I, I don't mean anything. But it's like how it's do you okay. how do you say about like I was born like that? Like yeah. I'm super yeah. lucky. Yeah, I guess, right. As I was right. born right. this way. Yeah. I was born this way. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and so, um, you know, as a family, we'd come and visit my mom's side of the family in in Southern California once a year, once every other year when we could. But I've lived my entire life up until about 24 ish uh, in Southern France. That's where I did my engineering studies and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when my engineering studies were done, uh, I was looking at the job prospect in southern France, and it just wasn't that great. It's more of a touristy area. I was like, you know what? How about I just try going and living in the U.S.? I've been visiting. It's pretty easy. I have family out there. I have a social security number. It's not that difficult for me to go out there and actually mm. uh, try living there. And it's been 10 years now. Well, wait a second. <laughs> you just skipped 10 whole years. So when you did you have a job when you came? No, you know? no. I uh, actually it's funny. Like I came Couch surfing, uh, French unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I uh, when I came, I uh, it took me about six months to get a job. I put my resume on on you know Career Builder and Monster and these websites, but really I was living at my grandmother and road tripping. <laughs> and then and then like it's like i wasn't really actively searching a job i just put it out there and if someone called for uh the resume then i'd go to the interview but i wasn't yet ready to actively yeah. uh, do some research and then eventually actually someone called um and, that's how that works yeah right <laughs> and so they called and i got hired and uh that was uh just before uh the economy crashed it was like June or July 2008 mm -hmm. right. um, and started working uh, uh, Yamaha Motors as an engineer. Wow. And then I worked there for about five years. And then you had this epiphany. Pretty much. Uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you, so where you're obviously in Portland right yes. now um, with your partner uh -huh. and how did you meet your partner? Uh, online dating. Which one? Okay, Cupid. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Um, is, what she think about the, what you do? Uh, she loves it. The, the actual van was her idea. Oh. Um, like I knew of them, but I was currently looking at something else. I was looking at building a house truck. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so I was looking at chassis that would basically be able to build a, uh, expedition tiny house. Mm-hmm. There is tiny house expedition out there, yes. uh, but, you know, more as an expedition vehicle. Yeah, one of those big four by four trucks that uh, I think they just surpassed your record, by the way, with the number of miles traveled. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of expedition, mm. by like ten thousand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they're, they're still going. Yeah, they're, which is they're, crazy. They're trucking along. Mm. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, so I was looking at that, and it would be much more involved of a building project yeah. and a lot of flexibility, and then. Uh, she brought up the uh, the vans, which I, I guess I hadn't really given it as much thought as, as they deserved. And when I, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, "Yeah, this this is actually this is actually what I'm what I was looking for." When I was looking for a truck structure, I was trying to find the most capable, smallest truck. Yeah, because I didn't want to build something huge and be stuck in places. 
And so the van really gave us that in a way. So it's like a four by four base and it's a very small, well-designed structure mm-hmm. that you have the essentials in there and mm-hmm. it's incons- inconspicuous to, mm-hmm. to an extent. You can bring it anywhere and you can put it on a, a ship mm. for much cheaper if ever we want to send oh, it out can. to Europe for oh, wow. uh, some road tripping down there. Huh. I think it's definitely, <clears throat> I mean, no one would question that it's less conspicuous than a tiny house, but yeah. even more so, it's less conspicuous than even a schoolie. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate flexibility travel on the down low um, situation for travel. When we did our eclipse trip, we were sitting at a, um, sitting at a gas station and the people in the, in the pump right next to us had a white, you know, contractor's van, like basically. Yeah, yeah, just a white, absolutely no windows on it whatsoever. You know, just this plain white, it was a big one, though. It must have been. I mean, it was really, really long. Passenger or something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. really, really long, mm. but just looked like a white passenger van, right? Or a white cargo van. And they opened up the back. Sucker was tricked yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, it was totally, you know, converted. Yeah. And um, they had, you know, scorched surfboards on the top. So we knew that they probably weren't, you know, on their way to work. But uh, mm. yeah, the van life is, is, is a great natural addition uh, and a welcome addition, sort of, to the the tiny house movement and uh, <clears throat> both the van lifes and the, and the schoolies are starting to take a real, real prominent position yeah. at the festivals or prominent uh, feature at the festivals. I would say that the van, van nomads have been around far longer than tiny houses. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, in, yeah. in fact, when the, the next guy that's coming into the studio to talk with us, he has done so many episodes of these stealth vans and I'm really interested to find out about the stealth nature, like why people need to build them so that it looks like the one you just described. But getting back to Guillaume, so, so Guillaume, what, is your, what does your partner do? Does she have a full-time job or is she tripping like you are? Uh, she does. Uh, she has a full-time job. Fortunately, she works from home. So oh. there's some uh, flexibility uh, yeah. out there. Uh, but there are, I mean, there are currently some restrictions. And you know, this is all, we're talking long-term plan there. Like We just bought the van. It's been at the shop all summer to get the engine rebuilt. Mm. Uh, you know, you you said earlier that there's some maintenance on tiny houses. People will know that who listen to this podcast that if we buy like a 1987 Westphalia Vanagon, there's going to be like some some maintenance of oh, its yeah. own yeah. on these things as <laughs> yeah. well. Two weeks just to get rid of the shack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Move that lava lamp. <laughs> exactly. That eight-track player is not going to work there. <laughs> uh, so I think uh, at first it's going to be about building in, doing a lot of like local extended trips and seeing how the concept works and mm-hmm. refining the the vehicle itself and uh and then eventually in the next few years hopefully uh bring this to, that thing on longer and longer longer trips for expeditions okay so i'm i don't want i hesitate to ask this question because i just hate focusing in this specific area but i know the listeners are probably curious with your no f- photography focus mm-hmm. how are you making money that's a very good question i have almost never made direct money from photography uh, unless I was hired by a company to take Correct. photos specifically, which has happened in the, uh, in the tiny house world. Yeah. Uh, so if someone wants photos of, uh, of, of a tiny, tiny house, house. I've, mm-hmm. I've gone and taken photos like that. Um, and then most of it, like when, uh, when I was uh, traveling with Jenna, the income was indirectly related as a travel photographer uh, generating content, going to a national park, taking photos, and then creating. Jenna was writing; she's a great writer. So, <clears throat> writing the blogs and putting all this together, and having people visit our website was the way we were generating income through advertisement. Making right. YouTube videos yep. when I was filming, 
that's the way that we would uh, generate income, which was important. To distinct, like I'd never wanted to get into photography and have it be a stressing source yes. of income. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I'd end up like as a you know wedding photographer or something like that. And all of a sudden, it's, it's not yeah. really what I want to do. Exactly. That's, that's how you make income. So in the future, it's going to be a similar, uh, a similar uh, setup. I'm looking right now into doing like some things in Portland and maybe trying to do like some photo walks uh, with What's people. What's a photo walk? Just like uh, organizing some, uh, some little trips with people that are interested in photography and walking around Portland and combine it as like a class. Oh, I see. Right? Mm-hmm. Did you know what like that was? Like walk in Portland. I didn't. They, yes. they okay. exist out there. So, okay. so that's, a, that's a, something I'm looking into to oh, try to generate income as well. Interesting. Cool. So it seems like the stock photography would be a natural. I mean, why not uh, Getty Images or the, those types of contracts? Is that the pressure that you were talking about? It, like, is is there contractual pressure to provide a certain number of photos or no, anything like that? I've I've looked in. Sorry, I've looked no, into it. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was a while back when I looked into it. To be fair, there's not really a pressure thing. It's it's a self infl- uh, self inflicted pressure in a way. If you aren't creating the sharpest m- yes. images on a continuous basis, yeah. you're not getting views. You're not getting. Uh, you know, people don't buy your photos. Like. The the interesting thing about photography is that it's one of these few jobs where you absolutely don't need any sort of specific Degree studies or, or degrees yeah. to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. You have a camera, that's usually enough of a, uh, you know, to, to get hired. It's basically like you see all these wedding photographers that are starting to say, hey, I'll do your wedding for $500. And I'm thinking like, whoa, like, I know how much work it goes into mm, that. Yeah. Like, that's not, yeah, that's not yeah. working. And yeah. so, like, it's, it's in, in the... Uh, you know, in the stock image thing, like there are so many people already doing that and it's a full-time job for the ones that are successful at it. Right. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point where the, the stock photos, there's so many stock photo sites now that give the photos away. Yeah, I, I bet. Yeah. And, so, and they're beautiful, very, very high quality mm-hmm. photos. And so for me, like when I do my blogs, I never pull down a, a, a stock photo that you have to pay for because there's well, plenty thank out you. there that are free. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, this is why yeah, I asked the no, question. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, like, right. how do you... How do you make money with mm-hmm. this art? It's like writing a book these days. How do you make money with creative works these days? Right. So what you bring up as a like the reason why I saw the tiny house as a as a tool more than <clears throat> more than the house itself is that the solution to become a travel photographer and a travel writer for Jenna was to significantly slash uh, cost of living. Yes, and and without that part of the equation, yeah. we were living in LA like. We couldn't afford to live in our current lifestyles and all of a sudden say to our job, she worked in the movie industry and say, okay, I'm going to start writing and then I'm going to start doing photography and then hope that things work out with the cost of living down in LA. So like the tiny house allowed us to just slash that and all of a sudden a lot less pressure in generating income from what our passions to us. Yeah. Well, my question is also very, very personal because of the fact that Mark is my partner is a photographer, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he, it's funny how he's, he said the same thing. It's like, if I have to have, if I, my photography is my sole source of income, it's almost an, too much pressure to allow him to be his creative self. And also conversely, um, recently he said, he said, you know what? I would literally rather just play and do my photography thing um, rather than almost anything else. And that's part of the reason why we sold our lakefront property I've talked about before. We recently sold it because it was adding to his to the level of complexity and obligation and stress and maintenance of his life. So we sold the property 
so that he could be a photographer. You know, that's now helping him to sort of have that creative. So that's another reason why I was asking is because um, everybody always tells him the same thing. Like, oh, you should sell your photos. They're so great. And then it's like, yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than than probably most people think. Yeah, I, I was. it's funny, though, that what Guillaume had said, because um, Kirsten Dirk, 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 Dirksen. Dirksen, the woman who we're going to have on in a couple of episodes, she, she did a, a feature-length film on Abel Zimmerman of Zilvardo's. And one of the things that he said at the end of that show was exactly what Guillaume said. He said, you know, I'm able to do what I'm able to do and enjoy it because I've dramatically cut my expenses. And if you really want to be free to do what you want to do, that's what you got to do. You got to keep your overhead really, really low. And you're right, Guillaume. I mean, when you, when you, I can only imagine what you guys were paying for rent down in Los Angeles. But at the same time, you, you being an engineer and her in the film industry, you guys were probably making bank. Exactly. And right? we were able to have a comfortable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. She was actually probably un- underpaid, to be honest. But like, and yeah, so was I. That story. Yeah, right. <laughs> Aren't yeah. we all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. But. but <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, like uh, definitely, it was a, a comfortable lifestyle. I, was, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I had all the toys. Yeah, didn't really use them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the nine to five that was in the way. The time, I guess. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And isn't that ironic too? Like exactly. now, like for instance, we just were at a festival and they actually had a toy hauler tiny house. Mm-hmm. Like it was like wow, like yeah. you knew it was coming, right? You knew it was coming, but um. Yeah. I was like, well, instead of having a motorcycle, can we put a smart car, you know, yeah. in there? Yeah. <laughs> so we can tow it with the big gas guzzler and then put a smart car in the back of the tiny. But, uh, well, it's, it's interesting you say that. One of the guests that I'm considering inviting to the show is this guy in Canada who, for fifth wheel trailers, he'll take a old semi truck hauler, the truck part, mm-hmm. and convert it so it can pull a fifth wheel. And in between the fifth wheel and the cab of the truck, he'll, he'll make a ramp where you can put a smart car. And the reason why they have that is because when you park your trailer with your hauler, you don't want to be driving the semi-truck around town. Unload that little car right. and drive yeah. around with that. I think it's a brilliant solution to those people who drive those huge fifth-wheel trucks. I mm-hmm. thought you were going to say he's probably he's the ultimate he's the ultimate traveler because he actually lives out of his smart car and <laughs> smart car, like that sleeps in it one. like uh, the Tesla guy you know yeah. like, mm-hmm. he's like the ultimate downside he also happens to be a little person <laughs> <laughs> okay so alright so I'm glad to hear that you're you're open minded about how the revenue is going to come in and that you've you've focused on the other side of the equation which is so important it's cutting uh-huh. down your, I mean that's part of the simplicity movement right is yeah. lowering your expenses and, yeah. and enjoying life as opposed to exactly living to work, I guess. Well, it's interesting. These concepts have been really interesting and I've thought about them a lot. I've been teaching workshops about tiny houses with with Tumbleweed and, and doing some other other things. Obviously, you had a lot of contacts with people through the YouTube videos that we did with Jenna. Um, and, you know, sometimes people just get into the tiny house movement just because they think it's cool yeah. and they aren't ready for the compromises. And, and because it's cool, it's not a good enough uh, balance for the compromises you might have to do in your life. And it's, it's interesting. I'm teaching these workshops and people are wondering like, well, you know, people don't stay in the tiny house movement. Sometimes they'll just sell it and go back. It's like, yeah, they probably, either they messed what they intended or they weren't ready for certain things or they weren't able to clearly identify a benefit they got from the lifestyle. And that for me has always been something super critical, right? If someone builds a tiny house and they'll oh, they oh, super cool, like closet, super cool. This, and they put it all in there and then they live, in the tiny house and they don't realize that without like a significant benefit from it 
all of a sudden, all I see is compromise. Oh man, I got to go to a laundromat once a week or this and that. And like for us, like, yeah, we have to go to a laundromat once a week, but we were able to like quit the nine to five jobs that we didn't really like and live off of our, um, you know, passions. Yeah. And that was just a benefit that outweighed any sort of compromise that we could have out there. What are, some of, what are some of the other compromises that people have to consider when going into a tiny house? Well, the, the obvious ones are like, you know, getting rid of stuff and yeah, just like living obvious. in a very, a very small space. Like, it's funny, like we're bread, not bread, we're like, we, we, everything we see on TV and, and all these, like open space, it, it does feel nice, right? So like you live in a big house, like a lot of times, you know, some people like clutter, mm-hmm. like naturally, but most mm-hmm. people like open space. Uh, and that's something that might be hard to get. Uh, of well, a the anti, yeah. When you he was talking about television, I mean, everything on television is consumerism, consumerism, yeah. consumerism, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so, when you're living in a tiny house, it's it's so weird how it changes your perspective of consumerism. Uh-huh. Like you watch TV and you're like, seriously, like I can't. You have this built-in excuse not to follow that path, uh-huh. but it's weird how you actually have now. I have emotional reactions to the the television commercials and how much i can now see how it is influenced yeah. and so again you could either sit back and go oh man i really want that and i can't fit it in my tiny house and he talks about compromises or you can say i don't need that nobody needs that ever <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the the truth is that you know some people are like if if that's truly what you want then find a way to have it because if, if it's something that you are going to miss to the point that you regret making that decision, yeah. then that's not, uh, that's not good. So. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so like, yeah, if you're, if you're still addicted to grand pianos or, or what other people think about what you're doing and, and having the yes. latest sofa or the mm-hmm. latest uh, coat is the thing that, that causes you to thrive, you're going to have a hard time in a tiny house because you're not going to be able to accumulate all that. I mean, mm-hmm. at least if you have the latest coat, that's a little bit easier to handle than the latest car. E- exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or a collection of things. Or a collection of things, yeah. But that's what we see. Like, we see social social media and, and TV and, and every other thing. And, and like, even, like, society as a whole, the, the stress that they, that, you know, they put on, like, define success. Right. Right? And you ask, most people, and a lot of times, it's going to be related to housing. Yep. It's going to be related to career. Yep. It's going to be related to like having two and a half kids, a white picketed fence, and like a dog and a cat that get along. And right. a certain amount of money. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and well, you would need a certain amount well, of money right. to be able to do that. And not right. only that, but you want to live like that in downtown LA. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, you know, all these things are kind of like this is kind of like what we think we want, but is it truly what we want? And all of a sudden, when, you can, when you're able to like, you know, change that vision and define the line between want and need and figure out what is it they, that you need and what is it they really want, those decisions about going tiny become a lot easier. And for some people, you're saying they don't get clear about those decisions that need to be made. And some of them do, they but they don't, want to, they don't want to make the change. Mm-hmm. And exactly. so they end up in a conundrum. Exactly. But that's the intrinsic value of the tiny house movement. Right well, there. Well, yeah, that's... Well, right there. Redefining well, so is, success. Yes, to, yes, for some, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not a homogenous group, right? It's, and it's a personal thing, yeah, it's too. It's a personal thing. I mean, some people might just be very happy with, truly, with having the latest of whatever mm-hmm. it is that they want. Yeah. Right? That's what I was going to say is success, because it's defined by the individual. Rather some people than, are super happy in those big houses with mm-hmm. the four kids and yeah. the three houses, three cars, I mean. And three as, long as, it come, yeah. <laughs> as long as it comes with like, that was their decision, right? It's not something that's influenced by other people. Well, like, and that's that's the thing, right? Because some people they're not they're they are 
they're not deciding consciously that that's what they want, but they're still happy in it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a tipping point too, right? Yeah. I think there's a tipping point somewhere between poverty level and billionaire, mm-hmm. right? There is a tipping point at which money now becomes a, um, a f- source of freedom as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, also- so most of us don't live beyond that tipping point, of course, and therein lies the rub. But like you said, people can have multiple houses and multiple cars and they're really big houses and travel all over, but they also have the quote unquote freedom to travel and freedom to hire a money manager so they never have to worry about bills and cleaners to clean their houses exactly but so yeah you can be happy but uh i i think that most of us don't live beyond that tipping point so Mm -hmm. well there's the thing that i think naturally happens sometimes with age and accumulation Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden you're of a certain age or you see your parents of a certain age it's like how do we get all this stuff right it wasn't an on-purpose thing it just happened over time right that yeah and with that I think we're out of time. Speaking of that. <laughs> so, so Guillaume, it was great having you here. What do you do? What's Good next for you? you? Um, we should get our van back pretty soon, hopefully. Uh, and then the nice thing about this particular van is that there's nothing in it on the inside. So I'm going to build. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and how long will that take? And then where are you going? Well, I uh, have learned a while back not to put a deadline on, uh, <laughs> on this type of thing. It probably is going to be a continuous thing. Uh, so uh, the nice thing about uh, no TV show over your shoulder this time. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. but they worked with help with us unless, pretty well. Unless, yeah. unless they want to, like, yeah. should they call you if they want to look over your shoulder? I mean, they can. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's going to be like short term is going to start working on that thing, and then you know see how it works out for traveling, and just keep pushing it further and further. Very cool. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank and, you. And uh, listeners, once again, I said it's like a broken record. You've heard yet another fantastic, fantastic show. show on the Tiny House Podcast. Please feel free to uh, check in next week because we're going to have another one coming right up because we're about to interview that guy. He's right outside our studio. See you later. Bye. See you on the flip side. Thanks, Rick McNerney. Thank you, McNerney. The McNerney. <laughs> Rick, 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 Rick. <laughs> we're idiots. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>